Hi, I'm Margie Nomura, and welcome to another episode of our side dish, The Dream Dinner Party. This is the mini episode where we invite a guest to tell us all about their dream dinner party. This is a game I know a lot of people have played on long car journeys or maybe even first dates. So it's really fun to sit down with a different guest each week and hear who they would invite and what they would serve. The only rules are you're allowed to invite four people. They can be anyone you want. And I honestly think it's impossible to listen without thinking of your own answers. This week, we have the queen of dinner parties and a woman who has the knack for making everything look so completely gorgeous. It's Sky McAlpine. We recorded this in Sky's kitchen, and if you follow Sky on Instagram, you will know her kitchen is absolute heaven. It's a kitchen of dreams. There's a long flowing table down the middle, the prettiest plates and crockery piled high in a dresser and adorning the walls. She had multiple cakes waiting for us, which were delicious, of course. Her third book came out earlier this year, A Table Full of Love, which explores the connection between food and love. And Skye's love language is definitely food and feeding the people that she loves, which we explore in today's episode. So without further ado, here is Sky's Dream Dinner Party. Sky, tell us in a few sentences how you feel about dinner parties. Like, do you love throwing them? Do you love going to them? What's your general feeling? So I'm a very, very big fan of the dinner party. In a dream world, I would have a dinner party at home every day and never have to reply to an email again just my life would just be like cooking for dinner parties having dinner parties it's just like the happiest thing have you always loved throwing dinner parties? I think I have I mean I grew up in a home my parents entertained a lot though it never felt like entertaining it was kind of ran quite an open kitchen and even though you know it was my parents and you know I'm an only child so just me it was never just the three of us at lunch or dinner somehow there were always more people and it always felt quite celebratory and even as a small child it was just quite exciting because you're so good at throwing dinner parties you often get asked to other people's or do people feel intimidated well, I don't know if I'm very good at it but I definitely like doing it we don't get invited to other people's homes nearly as much as I guess we have people over. Yeah, but you like it um, that way. But I kind of like it that way. I mean, I love having people in my home and also on a practical level. I know it sounds awful, but like when you have children, actually, it's if you can do it at home, you don't have to worry about a babysitter, mm. etc. So it's actually friends kind of doing me a favor by yeah. traipsing across town to come for supper here yes. rather than people always feel like they need to reciprocate. And actually, it's like, no, you don't. It's so, this yeah, is what I prefer. I just want to see you. <laughs> yeah. It's really sweet if you can face coming here. That would be amazing. Yeah. I'm sure people can always face coming here, Sky. <laughs> so, Sky, this is your dream dinner party. And we're going to start by talking about the guest list. Yes. Who are you going to invite? So, this is possibly the most stressful question of all time <laughs> partly because I don't think I've ever had well, I mean of course I have supper parties for like four people but that's like very like I'm quite a crowd kind of person okay so what's so, the typical number that you have um but I'd say like between like six is small oh. 10 to 12 would kind of be average and then okay. sometimes I'll do like 20 
Hi. Um, so <laughs> you're basically I, a, a, like a professional private caterer. <laughs> no, 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 no. When you come for supper, you'll see. A hundred percent not. But I love like that whole like more is merrier kind of vibe. And I love you know if I'm cooking anyway, then I kind of think, oh God, I haven't seen you in forever. And I kind of text friends. And even if it's quite last minute, I love when a friend texts me or calls me last minute. It's like, look, any chance you're free? Come for lunch tomorrow or come for supper tomorrow. I think that's just like it's always like the happiest message to get, even if you are busy and you can't make it like it's really nice so kind of then once I'm cooking anyway then it always grows and there are always lots of us so it felt quite counterintuitive to kind of go for four and then the pressure to choose the four perfect people yeah Uh, so I had like a really long list and then I was thinking about uh, people who might go well together and there were just like so many like once the gates of imagination had been opened and I could have anyone dead or alive it was like oh my god too many people it's a it's a party for 150 (laughs) so (laughs) this is gonna be an extra long episode (laughs) I thought focus on um authors who I really Mm. enjoyed reading their books or being in their world because I just thought it would be so fun to talk to them more about like in a slightly geeky way more about their books and their process and everything so I had Agatha Christie because I felt like she's a good storyteller also I thought authors are typically brilliant storytellers yeah so I was like they'll make great dinner party guests because if you kind of get them chatting then you know, I could just sit there happily and, mm. and listen to stories. So Agatha Christie, who needs no introduction, mm-hmm. but I thought would be a fascinating person to talk to. I don't know much about her. Well, I, as a teenager, was completely obsessed with her books. Mm. And they're sort of quite timeless. And I kind of now dip in and out. If, you know, if I'm feeling quite down, I'll kind of dip into an Agatha Christie Oh, will you? Is that your yeah, comfort? it's it's very com- it's very mm. comforting because there's sort of it's this world, but is I feel like adjacent to our world because it's such a different era, mm. but it's kind of in a way slightly romanticized perhaps in our minds. Yeah, it's a very so it's something very pleasing about a murder mystery because there's sort of a beginning, a problem, and an end mm. where the problem is sort of resolved. So it's quite a sort of satisfying yeah thing to read i wonder what she'd make of the whole true crime thing genre i mean gripping that's clearly a massive topic of conversation (laughs) and actually i also wanted to invite jk rowling (gasps) because i think i think she's a brilliant storyteller um and i've read all her books both her books you know obviously all the harry potter which Mm. i love and then my other comfort literature is when I'm kind of stressed or tired or often when I'm cooking is listening to the Stephen Fry reads the Sky, me Harry too. Potter. My husband thinks I'm so such good. a loser, but I, I, don't, I don't think I'll well, ever stop. Well, you and I both, yeah. like, we'll just, we'll just make our peace with that. But it's so comforting. It's so comforting. But there is something about her character portrayals in those books. Obviously, the story is gripping and it's wonderful and there's the magic of Harry Potter, the you know, the world of Harry Potter mm. that I'd love to know a lot more detail about um, kind of grill poor J.K. Rowling um, over dinner. But I just think there's something really timeless and quite moving about her character portrayals. And that, I think, also she did that book, The Casual Vacancy, Mm. when she finished it, which was sort of more of a sort of standalone book, which was, again, kind of quite character-focused. And I love her crime writing. So good. I'm completely obsessed. Mm. I'm literally on tenterhooks for the next one. Yep. And then I was like, oh, quite interesting to get her chatting with Agatha Christie Ooh, yes. on their sort of different perspectives. Because I think both of them, in a way, are quite they're 
quite similar in this, but this the, the, the characters are what kind of makes it so engaging and kind of yeah. having that detail. But I, so I was quite excited yes. about that conversation. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, mean, I can't remember what's the name of um, the main character in the Robert Galbraith. Cormoran Strike. Yeah, imagine the conversation yes. between him and, and Poirot. Poirot. <laughs> I feel because Cormoran Strike is like so messy yeah. as yes. a person and Poirot is so particular. Mm. So that's I was just like, there's a lot to chat about there. Mm. Okay, yeah, um, I'm here So I was quite excited this. about okay, that. Yes. But I'm quite pleased with myself. Like, they either like really get on or not get on at all. <laughs> and either way, it would like be quite entertaining and engaging. Yeah. But I'm also obsessed with Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, which isn't fiction, but is so beautifully written and is kind of like such kind of, I think she's a brilliant storyteller and I'd love to meet her. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I just thought she would have so many stories mm. to tell. Yeah. She's such an icon. I mean, how incredible to meet her. Yeah. Yes. Um, so... I was quite excited about her coming. And then I also, and this again was a dream, um, wanted to have Hanya Yanganahara because uh, I'm really late to the party, but earlier this year I finally read A Little Life mm. and it is one of the most moving books I've ever read. Mm. I mean, as is, I'm sure for everyone, it's, it's, but it's so beautifully written and I'm completely sort of fascinated and obsessed by the way she can tell such a hideous story but in a way that is so beautifully written that you can actually keep read. Not only can you keep reading, you actually do want to keep reading. Yeah, and that's sort of an stop. incredible mm. skill. And she too, I mean, her character portrayals are completely fascinating. And I'm also fascinated by this idea that I kind of realized when I had my dinner party gang that we're all women. So I was like, what's oh, a girl's night? Um, but I found fascinated by this idea that her book is this beautiful, massive book. And... I mean, there are a couple of token women in the book, but it's basically mm. all about men. Mm. And she's a woman and kind of... So I've, I was sort of then quite interested in this idea. And I actually come to think about it, Hercule Poirot is obviously mm. a man. Harry and Potter. Harry Potter and Cormoran Strike. Mm. So this idea of, like, I guess, women That's really writing men actually. into yeah. the world, which I thought would also... Also know. the fact that JK used her pseudonym, which obviously she did because she's JK Rowling and she was trying to take a step away from that. But if she hadn't have done Harry Potter first, would she still have used that? Well, I was listening to a podcast where they were saying, and I thought this was a very interesting story, that because she's Joe Rowling, and mm. apparently there's not actually a K in her no. name. Apparently when they first brought out Harry Potter, which everyone, no one thought was in any way going to be successful. I think they printed like 500 copies yeah. of the book. If they they sort of basically her publisher said that if it was J.K. Rowling, people would assume she was a man, yeah. and therefore would be more likely to buy the book, which is completely you know. And obviously this is some time ago, but still not that long ago. No. Um, so I thought that was a whole wealth of kind of conversation that we could chat yeah. about, and also kind of gripped by people's routines. And I just love to talk to each of them about how they write mm. and what their kind of routine and. And inspiration, especially something like writing a murder mystery or a, a long stage novel. How do you kind of plan, plan? Do you know it all in your head before you start? Yeah. How does it come to life? I just thought that would be hours and hours of really and, and the worlds that they create. Created absolutely. Yeah. Do they have that, that all in their from? mind, or does that grow organically from the story? Yeah. And if perhaps they take different each take different approaches to their yeah. writing. So this seems like a silly question because I feel like there's only one answer to this, but where is the dream dinner party happening? <laughs> so probably at home. Yes. <laughs>
when you have a home as beautiful as this it has to be the setting and when you're planning a dinner party do you know well in advance what you're going to serve do you have it all planned out or are you quite a relaxed host so I'm quite a lazy host Mm. which I sort of feel slightly embarrassed saying all the poor people who traipse over here and I'm kind of like, oh, I'm just a lazy host. But my whole philosophy is I think you want to make, like I think having friends over should be really fun and hopefully it would be really, it will be fun for them, but it needs to be fun for you as the host Mm. as well. And I kind of really do try and, I can be in certain aspects of my life, have a tendency to focus on perfectionism, which then kind of means I procrastinate and end up not really doing anything and I sort of make a really conscious effort in terms of having people over to kind of not focus on it being perfect but to focus more on finding more opportunities for us to do it more often so I'd rather have like three suppers in a week and get to see friends but have them be really simple and it not kill me than have like one dinner party a month yeah it should never feel like a chore I think having Sky, people I mean, over. anyone that follows you on social media, the fact that you're saying you're a lazy host is going to blow their minds because <laughs> the the effort and the, I mean, maybe that's what it is. It, it's, it's not a lot of effort to you, but you just make everything look so beautiful and effortless. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I figured out now quite a few trusty shortcuts okay. that like make a huge difference I kind of have like some sort of fail safe you know it'll be kind of roast chicken and salad or whatever and keep it really really simple and plan quite last minute and I mean I must say now in London it is incredible with all the various online platforms how kind of you need compared to like Venice where you kind of go to the market and buy it and put it in your trolley and carry it home and so you do need kind of more time you know, I'm quite shameless about using online supermarkets or whatever, and you can kind of last minute do all your shopping. So it's quite sort of like that's already shaved a big chunk of time. Yeah, a completely different way of doing it. And when you ask people for supper, what time do you tend to ask them? And what time do you actually mean you want them to come? (laughs) So I usually ask people for eight. So the boys start going to bed at seven, and then I can either sort of, potter and finishing touches of cooking or I can like get changed and kind of feel a little bit more glamorous if I want to um, and just have a moment to kind of breathe so yeah usually eight-ish so I usually say eight-ish and I mean people come when they when they can so in my mind I probably cooking wise plan not to sit down before 8 30 definitely not before 8 30 Uh, possibly even sort of nine o'clock, depending on how many people I've got coming. The more people I've got coming, the higher the chances of people being late. Whereas if it's just four of us, if I say come for eight-ish, have a drink, and then aim to sit down for 8.30. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So all of your guests have arrived. Excellent. How do you welcome them? Are they going to have a drink? Are they going to have a little canapé? So I usually say I'm very lazy. So usually I'll have Prosecco, white wine, red wine, I don't drink very much, so I'll usually have something non-alcoholic in the fridge as well. I like like Dalesford do a really nice sparkling apple juice with bilberry that's not very sweet and it comes in a bottle that's like a champagne bottle and I personally like to drink it in a champagne coupe which makes me feel very grown up with my apple juice Um, (laughs) so kind of I try if I can to have you know maybe sparkling water and something non-alcoholic I mean, sometimes I'll 
make in advance Negronis or something like that. And I'll make them kind of a big bottle of it in like sort of a water bottle or something and pop it in the freezer. And then just before guests come, pour it out into a jug with ice. But I sort of think for four people, maybe I have it as an option. Yeah. I mean, for these four women, maybe have it as an option. An option, yes. (laughs) Um, And then I don't normally do canapes, but I do do like bowls of salted nuts. I love buy, I buy like taralli, you know, those kind of like grissini that are sort of like twisty, that are sort of super yummy and moorish. I might put out a chunk of hard cheese with like a little dish of honey. Uh, so you can sort of slice at that and dip into that and maybe like a salami, like a chunky salami, again, with a knife so people can kind of help themselves. And controversially, crisps, because everyone is always very sniffy about crisps, They're but wrong. everyone loves eating crisps. <laughs> yeah, crisps And if you have a bowl of crisps, it gets finished. If you have seven bowls of crisps, they get finished. Like everyone loves eating the crisps. Yeah, and included. any kind of crisp. Any like, kind of crisp. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. So it's time to sit down. Yes. What are you thinking about for a starter? So again, (laughs) I refer back to my point that I'm very lazy. (laughs) Um, I really don't like doing starters. I used to occasionally and now I've just actually given up on the whole starter thing. Partly because it simplifies things. I'd rather have lots of different dishes when we sort of sit down to one course um, because I think it kind of looks more impressive. It looks more inviting. It looks more indulgent. And also just like logistically, if you're at home, you make the sata, you will sit down. It doesn't take very long to eat. Then there's a sort of awkward moment when you're clearing the plates and people are trying to help you and you're trying to sort of say, no, I want you to sit down and relax. And they're kind of probably thinking, oh, I'd quite like you to sit down and relax as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. And there's this whole kind of like sort of added level of awkwardness that I think all in all just the starter isn't worth it. So I kind of always skip the starter and I just go straight main course right. it's very um, what are we gonna have so I think because there's so much I want to chat about with this fabulous gang of women I kind of want to make sure that I've got dishes that I've really prepped in advance and all I'm doing is just kind of mindlessly popping it in or out of the oven or bringing it to the table so I was thinking as we're sort of going into autumn winter one dish that I really love is and it's actually the recipes in my second book a table for friends but I make it the whole time is it's, it's like a shepherd's pie but I make it instead of with um lamb mint I uh, do shredded uh confit duck legs so you buy so I buy the confit duck legs in tins mm. which is a little bit extravagant but it's only you know only five of us and yeah. I, I mean it's this is Michelle a special Obama. occasion yeah so like I, I'm okay with that um so um I forgot Michelle was there you know so I mean, hopefully no one's vegetarian I don't feel like Agatha Christie would have been vegetarian no but I mean we can we can accommodate for them yeah. if they are vegetarian I buy the the confit duck legs I mean of course you could confit the duck legs yourself but that feels like a next level I buy them in tins and you sort of shred the meat off and you do a layer of shredded yummy duck leg meat and then you just top it with mashed potato but you I fold in like raisins and little pieces of chopped apple into the mashed potatoes it's a little bit sweet and it's like the richest but most delicious thing and the joy of it is you could sort of make it two days in advance and just have it and like a shepherd's pie so you could make it just have it sitting in the fridge and then all you need to do really is pop it in the oven and take it out and also it doesn't really spoil like I mean obviously if the oven was up hot you'd burn it yeah but if 
Michelle Obama texts to say she's running <laughs> half an hour late, um, it's okay because you can kind of just like leave it in the oven, switch off the oven to keep it maybe warm, yeah. but it's not going to spoil. So I quite like that it takes a lot of stress because I wouldn't want to be fussing, you know, no. over like some fish or something, be like, oh my God, it's going to spoil. Yeah. yeah, it'd be quite stressful. Yeah. No, that sounds so absolutely I delicious. I do something like that. And then that's quite rich. So to go with it, a nice crisp salad, I always like. Uh, so maybe like red chicory, because I think it looks really beautiful with like a sort of mustard dressing. Again, there's one in a table for friends I make the whole time. I, I'm quite a sort of creature of habit. So once I find something I like, I kind of go back to it a lot. But I do really like it and it's easy. And that I would kind of just tear the leaves and put them in a nice big dish take two minutes to make the dressing and have it sitting there. And then just before we kind of sit down to the table, I'd sort of drizzle the dressing over and bring it mm. bring it out. And then I do these roasted leeks that the recipe's in a table full of love, but I like the simplest thing in the world, but so yummy. It's like you halve the leeks top to tail mm. and sort of line them up like little soldiers in a roasting tray. You pour more olive oil than seems in any way sensible <laughs> like basically an entire bottle of olive oil and then I season very generously with salt and pepper then you cover the tray with tin foil and you put it in a very low oven like 140 150 or something for two two and a half hours so they go really tender and kind of meltingly soft and then you take the tin foil off crank the oven right up for the last 20 30 minutes and they crisp at the mm. edges yeah they're really yummy i'm really obsessed yeah. so you like lots of veggies and then quite a sort of rich main course yeah, that sounds gorgeous who are you sitting next to by the way i feel like it's such a small group but especially if we kind of took this end of the dining table here had someone at the head and then four of us sort of opposite each other it's quite cozy so i feel yeah. like it wouldn't matter too much we could just easily all chat yeah collectively at your dinner parties in general do you move people around no no I kind of hate doing that. Okay. I always find it really stressful when people do it to me. Do you think about where everyone's going to, if you've got 20 people so coming? I used to not because I quite like it being relaxed and people sitting down. But actually what I've found is that if we're a really large group, so I'd say more than sort of 10 or 12, then people I think almost prefer to be told mm. where to sit because kind of everyone gets in a bit of a state and doesn't you know, want to be the first one to sit down and then you have a sort of musical chairs yeah. <laughs> moment of kind of incredibly polite awkwardness so for a larger group I kind of always try and do a seating plan even if it's sort of quite informal mm. but for smaller groups just everyone sit where they where they like and typically you all kind of chat together anyway yeah that's the best way yeah. so moving on to pudding what are you thinking the best bit yes. so given that I've skipped starter yeah I feel like I could kind of maybe go a little bit more in for the pudding okay also, I have a really sweet tooth, so it's a bit, I get really excited about this. So I was thinking about this. <laughs> I think it'd be quite fun to do maybe like an over-the-top cake, partly because it would look, I like, I love baking cakes, and you can make it look really sort of fabulous, and I make it in advance, so it's not, like, stressful to do on the day. And then I get leftovers, like, the next day. You know, I could send Agatha Christie home <laughs> with a slice of cake, you know. What could be better? Um, so one of my favourite cakes that I make is pistachio butter cake. Mm. That's another recipe in a table for friends but it's just a pistachio butter cake and then it has a sort of icing that's like a sort of buttercream icing but laced with a tiny bit of melted marzipan so it's like not overly sweet and it's quite sort of silky and it's got that sort of slight almondy flavor to mm. it uh, so that's really yummy but I was thinking we could kind of make it bigger and better so sort of larger maybe a couple of tiers and maybe layer it with autumn like persimmons we could kind of roast some persimmons right down so sort of sweet and soft and sort of 
not puree them, so it's almost more like a sort of chunky jam mm. with roasted fruit in the middle with the sort of um, marzipan buttercream icing and the pistachio cake. I think would be quite nice. Yeah, that sounds incredible. And then is it too much to make a really good chocolate ice cream to go with it? No, nothing's too Just much. Just in case, you know, <laughs> someone's gluten-free or something, they might enjoy the ice cream. With baking, is it because you love eating sweet things? Which do you prefer? Do you prefer eating yeah. sweet things or baking? I mean, I could live off cake okay. very happily. Okay, so those two things are intertwined. Yes. I guess with everything in life, our enjoyment of it is about why we do it. Mm. So I wouldn't cook just for the sake of cooking. I know a lot of people just find actual cooking almost like a form of meditation and enjoy the the practice of it. Yeah. For me, I kind of, I'm very greedy, so I'm always much more excited if I'm <laughs> cooking something that I'm excited to eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also I love cooking for friends because in a way I'm slightly it's almost like food for the soul, if that doesn't sound too naff, but like that same sort of happy feeling that you get from eating something really delicious that you've been looking forward to eating. I also you kind of get from like bringing a meal to the table and seeing everyone like feel really happy or be yeah. like really pleased with it. So yeah. it's kind of like quite reward based. Kind yeah. of. Cooking is your love yeah. language. Yes. Yeah. And at your dinner parties, do you play music? No. Okay. So again, this is quite controversial because I feel like everyone always does. But I think it's just nice to chat. Mm. I mean, sometimes I'll have like a playlist of fun songs playing when I'm sort of cooking as people arrive. But typically, once people are here, I definitely a few people, I sort of switch it off because I think it makes it harder to chat if you've got the music in the background. Yeah, it can be distracting. Yeah. yeah. So everyone's enjoyed the cake and that ice cream. What do you envisage happening after the dream dinner party? I mean, hopefully just like lingering on chatting. Yeah. More cake. Yeah. Seconds for, you know, kind of quite like when you're just like picking. Yeah. Know, but make maybe some fresh mint tea or something to sort of aid yeah. digestion, quite relaxing. At your dinner parties, does it just go on to the early hours I mean, with everyone chatting? Oh, is that good, the dream? That's the, for me, that's the dream. That, I think, is like a really good dinner party. So what time would you like everyone to go? Um, never. <laughs> really? So yeah, they I, could be I there love, till two in the morning I and love, you will be happy? Yeah, I just love it. And I just think often the really fun bit almost actually is that sort of tail end of the meal because mm. by then everyone's really relaxed. They've kicked off their shoes. They've eaten hopefully a good meal that they've enjoyed. They're picking at the bits. I mean, the best bit is almost when you get that second hunger yeah. that comes Standing after like kitchen. having digested and you're like, well, I'll just have a third little sliver of cake. And, oh, can I just try these little biscuits that I see on your shelf? And it's that kind of quite almost slightly naughty midnight feast. You know, when, when the dinner party turns into a midnight feast, I yeah. think that's when that's a really good one. Yeah. And you're just like sitting and chatting over, you know, on the sofa or Sky, I think the you're table. actually the first person that we've had on the dream dinner party that has said that <laughs> everyone else has said come 10 o'clock I'm ready for everyone to go but no I love this okay so I, they're going to be here till the early hours and do you play games no, no it's, it's, I, don't, I just think chatting I mean my dream day is just like sitting and chatting yeah. all day long. That's <laughs> why so today's a really good day. This is a good day. <laughs> when you're having a dinner party, if people are here until the early hours, when you do say goodbye, do you leave everything? I mean, even if they leave at nine o'clock, I leave everything. You do. It's very controversial also. So this literally kills my mother who hopefully isn't listening to this podcast or she doesn't know that I do it so um but I never tidy up after dinner I just think you've had this amazing evening I just really don't want to end it 
like washing up, yeah. you know. And I kind of just love like leaving on that high, going to bed, you know, happy. And then even the next morning, I'm, I'm an early riser. I'd much rather come down early in the morning and, you know, tackle the washing up then even before the boys get up. You know, it's not like everyone has to come down to the sort of squalid yeah. scene <laughs> at breakfast, but um, I'm going to get sorted out in the morning and I'm much more productive. And that's when I'll put my music on and just kind of like yeah. blast through it. But I also quite like when I come down in the morning and you see the table, this kind of like all the debris of a fabulous night it's quite nice because it's like kind of reliving that those happy kind of memories reliving that moment and of all these amazing women at your dream dinner party who would you most want to keep in touch with so I was trying to think about that and I thought well I think Agatha Christie's going to be a hard sell just with her not no longer actually being yeah. with us. Um, so it <laughs> that can't would be, be really her. insulting that, to everyone else yeah. if you picked her. <laughs> um, so, but then uh, of everyone who's left, I thought it's really hard to choose one. Maybe we could have like a group WhatsApp oh, or something yeah, would be ideal. Oh my god, that frankly. would be a very cool um, <laughs> just to continue the conversation. Yeah, Sky, that was your dream dinner party. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. So there we have it. Sky's dream dinner party is over. The food has been eaten. The guests have gone home. I do hope you enjoyed today's episode and make sure you're subscribed to catch all episodes of the dream dinner party and desert island dishes. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.